Welcome into the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. Already with this episode number 100, you probably noticed a little bit of a, a different uh, cadence, if you will, to how we're going to run this podcast. Um, what you didn't hear at the top was what we like to call the cold open, you know, the the short clip, the uh, the sizzle, uh, the, the hook, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the little bit of audio at the, the top of the episode that we usually use to get interested in listening to, you know, what's to come on this episode of the Independent Thinking Podcast. But uh, here we are sitting in mid-December of 2021, and we are at episode 100. So we thought, what better opportunity, you know, as we wrap up 2021 and uh, think ahead to 22, uh, to look back at, you know, some of the best of of the Independent Thinking Podcast. We've got 99 other episodes to, um, you know, look back on and have a lot of stories that we've told uh, over the, the two years that we've been doing this. You know, December... 18th of 2019 was the the first episode that we published of the podcast uh, when we were in Houston and uh, getting ready for primetime in Houston that year in February of 2020 and uh, kicked things off with Mr. Tom Hickman. And, you know, since then, we've been rolling uh, just about on a weekly basis. You figure almost two years to the day, we should be sitting, what, 52 weeks in a year, about 52 episodes a, a year. So we should be at 104 right now. We're a little short of that. And I have to apologize because somewhere in there, uh, you know, I say somewhere, but I, I know specifically when it was September 17th uh, when uh, this guy, this this host of this podcast had to go on paternity leave to, you know, spend some time with the, the wife and our new kid and uh, our second addition to the family. So that's why we're, we're only just now getting to episode 100 instead of uh, 104, but uh, no, it, it's been in quite the ride. Um, you know, we're going to have some fun with this episode this this week and take a look back at just over 10. I think we got 11 or 12 episodes that, you know, some of the, the most memorable moments of this podcast. It's been a lot of fun um, to do. And, and like I said, a lot of fun to share the stories. And we're going to look back at some of those those quick hits and, and those greatest hits, if you will, of the Independent Thinking Podcast. But uh, something I want to call out, you know, there are 99 episodes. We're, we're only calling out about a tenth of them. Um, but you know, so many other great things have happened on this podcast. I mean, you think they've averaged about a half hour each and, and we're talking about this being the hundredth episode. So 50 hours, almost 50 hours, uh, give or take a couple of minutes of content and stories that we've shared, you know, of the independent retail channel. And, uh, that includes everything from members to vendors to, uh, you know, industry partners and, and members of the nationwide team. Um, you know, so many great stories and, uh, I think back to some of them, and and you know they include everything from you know talking to Perch and Nest, who helped us develop and build and uh, implement the tiny home uh, that has made its presence known at prime time over the past couple of years, and uh, also those industry groups. You know, you got the NKBA, National Kitchen and Bath Association, NFIB, National Federation of Independent Businesses, CEDIA, the Consumer Tech Association, Independent We Stand. So many great partners of this industry of the independent retail channel and so many others as well and then google of course you know done episodes with them we had a a five-part series with our trade partners um where we had them on to talk about trends early on in the pandemic uh, i think that was back in the summer of 2020 uh when we had all five different episodes with our trade partners and then of course you know azion uh when we welcomed the azion unlimited team richard and and their team and then one of their members as well uh cyber manner um 
different episodes too, you know, not always just uh, the standard Q&A. We had Mr. Tom Hickman, we had a mailbag episode with some submitted questions. Mike Whitaker interviewed me on an episode. He turned the mic around without me knowing it was going to happen uh, and interviewed me. And then also, you know, we the Sleep Retailer podcast comes to mind um, where they had me on an episode to talk about some trends and then having that episode, you know, hosting that episode right here on our podcast. So there's just been so many different uh, memories and, and things that we've gone through. This is, you know, a little bit nostalgic to, to kind of look back and, and think about what we've been able to accomplish in two years. But, you know, like I said a, a few minutes ago, it all started back in Houston in December of 2019 when we got to sit down with Tom Hickman, uh, our president and chief member advocate for Nationwide, just to, you know, see why. You know, I was a, a two-month-old employee at the time. Um, I'd come over from a, a trade partner and you know, wanted to pick his brain a little bit about uh, why, you know, the, the efforts around communications were so pronounced and, um, you know, where where he kind of, you know, set the course for us to head, you know, for, not just from a communications department, but from nationwide as well. So uh, we'll, we'll start our first memorable clip. Uh, we'll go right there back to the beginnings of this podcast. And uh, this is what uh, Tom had to say. This communications team has, has really been built out kind of quickly. Um, so, you know, what's what's the... Not what, why the emphasis there on, on communications for Nationwide? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So for forever, which, you know, as long as the company's been in business, Nationwide has been this kind of quiet partner that helps serve the independent channel. And we, you know, it, it's never really about Nationwide. It's always about our retailers and, and the name that's on, on their door. But, you know, as we started to, to realize that over time that we needed to kind of get the word out about what we were doing, it was important. You know, we were running into members and vendors that were going, you guys do so much. And, and there's so many things that you do that we don't know about. We looked at this as one way to, uh, to be able to kind of build that message out was to be able to have a communications team that told our story externally a little more and, and quite frankly, internally. So we had always had. I think an incredible brand. Uh, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that brand. And quite frankly, we didn't spend a lot of time standing on a soap, soapbox about the independent retailer. And so Amy was the first big piece of that, um, helped us with some brand, some brand messaging story early, um, earlier, a few years ago and did an incredible job, truly understood what we were trying to do. Um, got us thinking differently about our brand and the way we need, we need to talk about our brand in the market. And then obviously our time with you. So it just seemed, um, seemed like a natural thing for us to do. Again, cool. Just to, I think, hear you know his take on uh, why you know communications is so important and why nationwide at that time, um, you know, back in uh, late, well, mid twenty nineteen, really when uh, we brought in Amy Kroom as director of PR and comms, and uh, and then quickly expanded that team over a short period of time. Just cool to hear you know his uh, message then and how it still resonates today, and just the, the the strides and efforts we've made since then. You know, obviously launching a podcast, adding a website. Um, building out the independent thinking website, just a lot of cool uh, milestones have been accomplished in those two years. So it all started then, and uh, you know, excited to to obviously get to, to look back at it and uh, re-listen to those uh, words and, and that message from Tom. So, but moving right along, uh, memorable moment number two of the Independent Thinking Podcast. You know, we don't have to go too far from that that first episode and we go right to episode two, which was our first member interview. Uh, we had Grant Webb from Webb's home store, um, guy that, you know, if you were in, in Nashville with us at primetime, name probably rings a bell. He was also in Houston, uh, for that primetime. We had a, an indoor concert with him there. And then, 
next in per- next time we got the opportunity to be in person, kicked it up a couple notches for him and uh, got him uh, an opportunity to you know accomplish a, a lifelong goal of his, and that was to perform on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. So, uh, but you know, thinking back to that that first member interview in early 2020 and uh, getting to talk to Grant, and th- this is just a little snippet of uh, that conversation. The hometown side of this what's it like to sort of change that conversation from one where you know you understand the backstory but you have to kind of simplify it for people that are your friends and neighbors any good business plan starts by a good level of respect of i'm going to respect you and rob i want to hear what you have to ask every business needs it every customer and literally even nationwide with its members we need that we need that uh communication together i think the cool thing there is that that's a message that he shares that still resonates um you know one of just respect in in the way you talk to not only customers but uh from a nationwide perspective how we you know work with our members and each other and those in the industry just a a really cool message to hear and um one that you know i think again stated on episode two but still resonates today but skipping ahead uh, a couple more episodes this next clip comes from episode six it was uh probably one I mean, it was early on, but I think still one of the, the favorite episodes that I ever got to do here at Nationwide. And that's, I I think about just kind of how our relationship's grown um, since then and, and just the, the work we've been able to do get together and how lucky we are to have a guy like Doug Marsh uh, on this team. And, um, you know, just a couple months into this thing and, and doing this podcast, he was kind enough, you know, we refer to him as our resident historian here at Nationwide. He kind of, he's done a little bit of everything and worked in every role and every department. And, uh, you know, it's awesome to be able to pick his brain about just how things have evolved and um, how the company has grown. And he's seen it, you know, he's, he's been here for just about two decades and uh, has been through it all. So, you know, on top of diving into the history of Nationwide during that sixth episode of the Independent Thinking Podcast, we also got the chance to kind of reflect on, you know, the growth he's seen and, um, you know, here's what he had to say on that. One of my early impressions is that there's a lot of talented people that can do a lot of different things. So, I mean, I just think about the 20 years that, that you've been involved in, in working with Nationwide to uh, see it grow to where it is today. You know, something that we'll we'll certainly be talking about here. But what, what's sort of your impression of how the company has, has changed just in your time being here? You know, to tr- try to put the perspective into it, the first show I went to, I thought I was a, I know, I was a, you know, mid 20 year old kid. And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. You know, it was 50,000 square feet of stuff. <laughs> and wow. we'll be going to, uh, we'll be going to a show here in Houston here very soon. And we're going to have, you know, uh, almost 200,000 square feet or whatever it is. It, you know, the team that we put together over the last 20 years is incredible. We're growing and to be so focused on our members every day, it's it's a great team and it's great to it's really been uh interesting to see the the change in the 20 years like i said just fun to always talk to doug and uh, we've had him on a couple of times so we did that history episode the history of nationwide and um of course you know we had a, another episode a little later on uh talking about the history of primetime uh do- dove a little bit deeper into that and it was around the time we were getting ready for our, our first ever virtual primetime so i figured it was a cool time to be able to reflect on you know, where primetime has been, how it's grown. And then, of course, you know, we'll get into it a little later, but, um, you know, how primetime evolved into that, uh, you know, the virtual format as we were living through and, and continue to live through today, a pandemic here. But um, so moving along, we got 
you know, we, we go from talking about the history of Nationwide to uh, our time together in Houston. And, you know, this one this one stands out because I don't know how many people um, can say they've had a, I guess, unless you're, you're specifically hosting a, a podcast for NASA or a, a, a science-related or uh, astrology-related astronomy, um, something space-related podcast. I guess you would have an astronaut, but, uh, you know, on a retail podcast, how often are you going to have an astronaut come and talk to you and try to relate, uh, you know, their experiences fixing the Hubble telescope to, you know, what we're doing here on a, on a daily basis for the independent retail channel. And of course, you know, to our members as well, but that's exactly what we had, uh, when we had Mike Massimino, uh, join us in Houston for prime time down there, uh, back in February of 2020. And I was lucky enough, uh, you know, Mike, I, didn't scare him away. I was excited to get him on the podcast and hovered around uh, him until after his keynote and I guess coerced and convinced him uh, that he should spend a few minutes chatting with us. But he, you know, give him credit. It was one of, I, I think, more, the more memorable keynotes I've experienced, you know, going to prime times and um, one that he still, you know, despite his out of this world, quite literally experiences as a professional, you know, took his message and related it down to um, you know, the independent business owner and did so in a really eloquent um, and, and I think successful way. And I mean, this is, this is what it was. This is how he did it. I had this real interest and passion that I felt like I, I could not be happy unless I tried. I, I would be okay, I think, but I don't think I could have accepted giving up. And I think I've learned in life that you can control the effort, but not the outcome. You had some really excellent messages from your time in space and, and working with NASA. And uh, the two things that sort of stuck with me were, were just leadership and, and teamwork. When I had my moments uh, of <laughs> making mistakes and messing up our mission, my I knew that my team was still with me. They kept me going and no one was going to throw me under the bus. And uh, that's a good way to go. You know, if you're going to go down, you're going to go down with your best friends. And that's the way I felt about it. And that was certainly a, a fun interview for other reasons as well. Yeah, obviously being able to talk to him about what it was like working on the the Hubble telescope, almost breaking the Hubble telescope at one point, um, and uh, you know how they work through that adversity, and again, you know, applying it to independent retail. So cool conversation, one that I certainly will never forget. And um, you know, I don't know next time I, I'll be able to have a, a an astronaut on the podcast. So that, that might have been a first and only. So uh, a lot of fun. But moving on. We, we moved from Houston to, uh, you know, just a few months later when uh, we essentially saw the world shut down and change and um, overnight with the, you know, the coming of COVID-19 and um, the pandemic that has just wrought the retail industry and every industry and changed kind of the way we live and, and operate and um, just so many, so many things have changed and it, it's still obviously in the conversation today, but you know, the first mention of it on the podcast was episode 18 with Mr. Jeff Rose, our uh, senior merchant for the furniture and bedding division. And uh, it was the first time we, we talked about it here on the podcast. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll share a little bit of the, the conversation here, but just thinking back to some of those things that at that point, you know, this was in early April of 2020. And, um, you know, some of the conversations we had were around things like Tiger King and it only being seven weeks into the pandemic and wondering when things were going to change and get back to normal and uh, just how long those seven weeks had been. But obviously uh, a kind of milestone moment, um, you know, in our space for, for Nationwide Marketing Group. And uh, I think, you know, just a, a crazy 
time to look back on because of how quickly, you know, not only Nationwide had to pivot, but every independent retailer in this space and um, the efforts that were made to help stores keep their doors open. And for those that couldn't, you know, ways to ensure they were you know still able to come through the other side, able to operate and uh, just a, a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff that, you know, looking back on that time that um, is in, in crazy to think we're still dealing with it in some ways and, and, and in some shape or form, but uh, it was, the outlook was so uncertain at that time. And, uh, that's kind of the sense we got in talking with Jeff is just not knowing what to expect and, um, just having to adjust and, and support retailers through it all. So this was the, the first look and the first, uh, mentions of COVID-19 on our independent thinking podcast here with Jeff Rose. We, we were coming out of January and February, you know, we were rolling to be quite honest with you. The just business wise, the furniture and bedding division was, I mean, we had it just an incredible um, furniture market. Uh, it was the largest attended uh, furniture market we've had in the nationwide space. I mean, it was massive. And then we came out of prime time and we had the biggest prime time we've ever had sales wise. And then we got smacked in the face with uh, with uh, this COVID-19 craziness and um, and then got to be home. We're all in this together fighting, but it's been, um, you know, I, I think we're seven weeks into this and it's just, you know, we're, we're hoping to start seeing the light. When you think about not being on the road, I, I think that's probably a big one for, for you and for anyone working from home, especially not being able to, to go see these members. But what has, aside from that, maybe, what has been the biggest challenge for you uh, as director of uh, furniture and bedding for Nationwide, you know, in these, the first seven, crazy, it's already been seven weeks, but. The biggest challenge I've had of all this is, is trying to figure out when it's going to end. You know, because, yeah. you know, you don't want to start planning things too early to, to push out for members because there's no one in the streets right now. And then you don't want to wait too late. And so my, my team has been working extremely hard on, on getting that blueprint and game plan together for the membership. It's just trying mm-hmm. to figure out the best time to, to, to launch it and, 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 and push it out. Again, I, I can't reiterate it enough. I don't think just funny to look back on, um, you know, t- talking about how it had only been seven weeks and just I, the, there seemed to be light at the end of the tunnel and things will get back to normal here soon enough. And now, you know, almost two years later, uh, <laughs> we're still uh, feeling the effects and, and dealing with the effects of, of this pandemic on supply chain and labor challenges and something that doesn't seem to be leaving the conversation the of uh, uh, of our space anytime soon. So. Um, you know, that was the, the first mention of it. And, and that was the first time we talked about it sort of internally, um, internally on a external podcast, but, uh, internally with a member of the nationwide team. And then of course, you know, you had the first mention of it in an in interview with a member. Um, and of course all, all the while, you know, we're changing how we do podcasts, moving from, uh, doing them on the road or at shows to now having to do them through teams. Microsoft teams is a platform we use. And, and of course, moving over to zoom at some point here too. But, uh, the first member we got to, to interview and talk to about it was PJ Orsini of Orsini's and, um, you know, some of the things that it's just funny again, to look back on and think about the things that were, um, sort of the top of mind during the conversation about how to continue to operate during, you know, the, what we were operating through and how much he relied on digital at the time and, and implementing new technologies into his website like chat and uh, just all kinds of different stuff. But this was uh, just a little taste of what that conversation was like here with PJ Arsini on the Independent Thinking Podcast. 
for Orsini's in particular, you know, how have you been impacted and how have you sort of been monitoring this and adjusting business, uh, you know, over these last six, seven weeks? We'll take aside all of the, the sanitation and the health things you have to do because right. we're all doing that. Just taking advantage of what's been in front of us, like with the RWS website we have, the chat's been a great addition to what we do. It's brought us a lot of people. With this Paycheck Protection Program, how easy was the process or how difficult was the process to go through from start to finish for you guys? It was the easiest thing I've ever done to borrow money. To me, it was a no-brainer. Again, you just go back to the topics that you know we were sitting there talking with uh, PJ about, and I mean, it's everything from keeping the store clean to, um, you know, implementing those, those tools like chat and, uh, you know, online appointment scheduling and ensuring that, you know, you only had one customer in the store at a time. And, um, obviously all of the protection, uh, gear from masks and, and the, the screens that you put up and, uh, the plastic barriers and, and things like that. And, um, all the way through to that, that PPP, the program that the, the government launched to help, uh, you know, stores that, that were, uh, in need of some dire funding uh, as they were asked to shut down. And it's just cra- crazy how rapidly things were moving during those early days and weeks of the pandemic. And uh, we saw literally billions and billions of dollars uh, funneled into various industries to provide government support through uh, an incredibly uncertain time. And um, it just it, it was it was strange and it, it continues to be strange. And it's, you know, something that the, the challenges are different now, but they the technologies and, and everything that was kind of set up at the front end of this thing is still supporting retailers today. And we're seeing that through, you know, the, the continued use and uh, customers becoming familiar with and, you know, expecting websites to have things like chat or, you know, we, we later on in the podcast, you know, more recently, just a couple of weeks ago, talked about alternative payment methods and, um, you know, things like that with, with allowing customers to pay how they want and offering multiple ways to pay. And um, just it, it's it's unreal. And it, it certainly has changed the retail landscape. And we often hear about, you know, pushing the, the pedal to the metal and fast forwarding this industry by so many years. And uh, it's true. And, you know, we experienced some of that on our, uh, you know, within the nationwide team as well, uh, having to shift from doing in-person prime times twice a year to, you know, all of a sudden seeing our, our August 2020 show uh, canceled out of uh, Las Vegas and, you know, replaced with a virtual show just a few months later. And, you know, that that's that's kind of where we pick up with our next clip is talking with Melissa Stenson, our, our VPM member experience here at Nationwide about, you know, what it was like to, to prep and, and take a show that usually has hundreds of thousands of square footage space on, a, on an expo floor uh, or in an expo hall and having to convert that to a, a virtual showroom and a, a virtual expo show. So uh, just uh, so many different, you know, retail, obviously, we're so focused on it and how the cha- how's that changed at the time and continues to change. But uh, the event space is one that, you know, was also hit incredibly hard. So always, I, I think, one of the more interesting conversations talking with Mel, who has that you know experience as an event professional, but also being tied closely to, to what we do here at Nationwide with the independent retail channel. So a, a fun one to pick her brain on and kind of learn how she was adjusting all the while, you know, the independent retail channel is adjusting. So this is Melissa Stenson talking about our efforts to launch a virtual primetime when you're thinking about the specific portions of primetime, was there 
you know, one or two things that you wanted to focus on to make sure we have to get this right to make sure that this event is what we want it to be? The education was important for us. The other piece is the exhibit hall and getting our members, you know, close to our vendor partners. As soon as we do get back together, we're going to have a great big primetime party. But until then, we do want to make sure that we have a way to talk to these members. There's a place for it going forward. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what 2021 brings. Interesting uh, to say the least, because, you know, the, the, the virtual event for, you know, as uh, able as it was to allow vendors and members and uh, nationwide, uh, the, the nationwide team to still communicate and, and engage with one another while we were forced to be separate, um, you know, it, it, it was it set up what was an incredible, I think, return to in-person events this past August in Nashville. And um, we certainly you know had quite the, the shindig while we were there, but to Mel's point, um, you know, the the ability to have a virtual show, a virtual presence, I think we've seen it in the continued uh, iterations of virtual primetime. Even though we were back in person this August, you know, we did allow for a virtual platform to launch. And um, it, I think she said it at the top there about education and, and, you know, leaning more heavily into providing education. And we found that the virtual platform was a great way to ensure that whether you were with us in person or um, you know, unable to attend, you still had access to that education. You know, why limit it to just those individuals that, uh, you know, can make the the commitment to be with us in person because it's such valuable information. You want to get it in the hands of as many independent retailers as possible because that the old saying, you know, the high tides raise all ships. So uh, I want to get that education out there to as many people as possible. Now, changing courses completely. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about coronavirus and, and COVID and how that's kind of permeated conversations for the better portion of, of the independent retail podcast we've been able to publish here at, at Nationwide. But uh, we've had some other conversations that I think were incredibly interesting that uh, had nothing to do with COVID. And it's nice to you know get some of those included in here as well. And one of those comes to us from uh, episode number 49 with Sherman's. Um, we, we spoke with Paul Sherman and and uh, a member of his delivery team, Antoine, who heads up the delivery team there, about something that was incredibly unique in the way that they train their their delivery team members. And that's um, it's boiled down to the fact that Paul Sherman built a house uh, in the warehouse space that uh, he has there uh, at Sherman's. And um, just a crazy conversation. One, you know, you talk about how you can think differently, think outside the box as an independent retailer. And Paul has certainly done that. Building a program, the the, the Respect Delivery pro- program that um, they've built out to ensure that before one of their delivery guys even gets a set of keys to a truck, that they've gone through this uh, multi-point you know, certification process, basically, to uh, get themselves up and running and, and trained as a delivery professional without having to do you know on-site training. Um, you don't have to do it in front of a, a customer who's uh, sitting there nervously watching you move a, a giant refrigerator through tight corners. You can actually, you know, they set it up where this house allows them to train within their own warehouse without, you know, potentially causing damage or, or uh, anything like that. So it's it's had a lot of benefits to them. Obviously a, a major investment, but one that uh, has paid off for them by not having those instances. And um, of course, you know, just upping the the level of customer service that they provide. So this is Paul Sherman and Antoine uh, talking uh, about the Respect Delivery Program and the home that they built for their delivery team out there at Sherman's. What Antoine started, then we went out and we said, okay, 
what do you guys really need? You know, what do you need to train with? Uh, and then, of course, you get back. Yeah, we need like a doorway to go through, maybe a bigger one and a smaller one, maybe one with a stair, you know, like simulating coming in from the garage. And we certainly need, you know, uh, gas and water connections, different types of, of gas and water. Uh, we should probably show copper, you know, gas pipe, what you don't connect to, too. And we need the, the stack laundry and, and side-by-side laundry and a dishwasher simulated where somebody put a, a floor, uh, you know, in, in front of it to make it harder. And, and I need a ceiling fan that's low, you know, and, and pictures on the wall. That, that's, you, know, you, you see where I'm going, right? I, I, you're, you're kind of describing a house. <laughs> yes, we're describing a house. So when you ask everybody on the team, what do you need to properly train your folks the only answer became to build a house <laughs> and that um at first of course we thought that absurd but then when you really you really think about okay how are we training people well how right. does anybody train people right. and that 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 was kind of the the question that this begs is you know without having a house to to train in what what is uh, maybe antoine this is something you can kind of tag how do you train a team to deliver in a house short i mean is it literally the way you train is by going into people's homes or you know what is there anything you can do when you're not on an actual delivery to train yes well we, we usually used to start with you know showing how to you know take fridges apart uh put cords on you know the day-to-day -day, uh regimen of what you'd be going through and then we had the tough task of uh you have to do that real time in front of a customer who you're trying to satisfy at the same time which poses a lot of challenges uh, customers watching, you're trying to learn. It, it frustrates a new guy if he makes a mistake right there. Plus, you could possibly damage the customer's home and some of Sherman's reputation in the process. Uh, so it was tough, you know, and we, we tried to do it. And you can definitely see the difference in us being able to have a more specialized crew out there and, and, and the customer doesn't have to watch us in the process of training. Still, I think one of the, the coolest conversations, just talking about how they built a house for their delivery team. I mean, a, a house, a functional house with the knobs, the the stairways, the the rooms, the just the furnishings, everything. You could you could live in that house if you wanted to, but uh, you know, using it as a training facility, I think, has certainly paid off for them. So, awesome story, and uh, one of, of course, like all of these that we were happy to share. But uh, another one, you know, getting a little bit more into the the partnership side of of things with Nationwide. 2021 saw us announce uh, our HTSN division, uh, Home Technology Specialist Nationwide, um, partnering with Cedia. Uh, we mentioned just a little bit ago with Melissa about uh, virtual primetime really leaning into education. Well, education was one of the, the major pillars of the partnership between Cedia and HTSN and, and launching a program where HTSN dealers received free membership into Cedia, supported by HTSN. Um, which gives them all the benefits of being a full CDA member. And in addition to that, uh, a, an education credit. We sat down you know, not long after the partnership was announced with Guile Sutton, who at the time was co-interim CEO for CDA and, and talked about what excited him about the partnership and where he saw things going. CDA and HTSN, our, our custom integration uh, group here within Nationwide, announced the partnership not long ago. Uh, focused around, you know, as we've been talking a lot about here uh, during this podcast, education. So talk to me about, you know, what excites you the most about this partnership with HTSN and our, our dealers here at Nationwide? Well, it's, it, 
it's it was it's a thrilling uh partnership for me because um well firstly you know nationwide being the the north america's largest buying group for for independent retailers but also also you know htsn within that um the focus on the the custom integrator as well and really htsn really showing a focus and a commitment to delivering education and increasing professionalism uh, to their members and really seeing that uh, HTSN have uh, aligned with our goals as well, really. Um, and some of those pieces we, we spoke about earlier, the pieces to the partnership match our, our, our strategic um, goals as well. And um, I, I can dive into a little bit of, uh, more about those in a bit, but it being focused on driving more opportunity to HDSN members through learning, through opportunities to um, perhaps engage with the design and build community as well. But um, fundamentally for us, it's a really bold statement with HDSN making the investment in CDA membership and, and actually buying membership for, for all of the HDSN members. For us, that, that shows a great commitment and, and partnership. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited about it. That's, you know, a partnership that I, I really have enjoyed watching flourish um, and, and members get more involved with Cedia. And, uh, you know, again, to the, the point that you can never have enough education, uh, certainly in the custom integration space, any space really. But, um, you know, the, the value of education, it's hard to put a, a, a dollar on it. And just awesome to see Hank and, and the HTSN team and Giles and, and the Cedia team you know, come together and, and build that partnership out. So uh, only a couple left. We're, we're down to the final ones here, final couple clips of uh, some of our most memorable podcasts. And this one, the next two, are, you know, I have super special meaning to me um, for a number of reasons, but the, it, it's more on the human side of things. And uh, we'll set it up this first one just a couple of weeks ago, episode 91. Uh, we talked to Larry Wright of CNC Appliances down in, in Louisiana and uh, met Larry at primetime in Nashville and was struck by his story of how he came into owning CNC Appliances. I, a guy that you know went to school for education, um, wanted to become a, a teacher and did that for a little bit and uh, ended up back at CNC you know, working under his, the owner, Roger LeBlanc, and the opportunity was presented to him and his wife to own the business. Uh, he went from job to job within CNC and ultimately, you know, Roger decided that he when it was time to step aside and move on from the business, he approached Larry with the opportunity to purchase it. And uh, it's something Larry never expected uh, as we got into in the podcast, but uh, one he also couldn't turn down when he figured out how, you know, Roger worked it so that, uh, you know, he could eventually in over a, a number of years buy the business from uh, from him. So, succession planning, it kind of boils down to succession planning, which is a topic that doesn't get a lot of attention in this space, but is super critical. I mean, you, you talk about generational, um, multi-generational businesses and uh, seeing retailers pass down their business from one generation to the next or uh, from, in CNC's case, one owner to the next, and it, it ensures the long-term success of a business. So we took that opportunity and that story, uh, the opportunity to tell that story and, and use it in a way to talk about the importance of succession planning. And uh, Larry did an awesome job. And in, in this portion of the podcast we're sharing right here is one that gave me chills uh, when he we explained sort of how he was going to approach it when the time came for him to think about, you know, his succe succession plan, which might not be for a while. But, you know, he, uh, he he's already put some thought to where he thinks he'll go, you know, when the time comes to 
uh, move on from the business. So this is Larry Wright of CNC Appliances. It's impossible probably to envision that the the situation you've gone through playing out, but you know, as you're, you know, touching every part of the business and, and you know, you're getting ready to move on. Did it ever even once cross your mind that, that there is an opportunity to, to potentially be an owner of a retail store? No, not at all. Until, until Roger said it, I hadn't even considered it because, because I wasn't family. Like I wouldn't, neither me or my wife were related to him. It never occurred to me. And, and that's a big thing. Like when we, when we talk about succession planning, I think with a lot of dealers, if their, if their children are not interested in it, I really wish they, I bet a bunch of them have a person who could do it. And yeah. there's, and there's ways to make it work. There he is. There's ways to make it work. Well, there, there's also the, the aspect too, like he asked you, I, what, what made you want to say yes? Cause that you're, you're not, you know, as you said, you went to school for something completely different. What was it that made you feel like, yeah, maybe this is, this is what we want to do. Well, I, I definitely, um, me and my wife both went to school for something completely unrelated to what we do, um, yeah. which is, is plenty of people, plenty of people. Yeah, for school. sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, part of it was just he had been really successful. It had been really, really good for him. Um, we had a ton of confidence in him and his wife in their ability to train us in, in that they had been super successful. If we could just keep doing what they did, that we would be super successful. And, you know, there's a lot of appeal to being your own boss and, and to, to having that freedom that you wouldn't normally have. Did you take anything from his succession planning and, and kind of how he went about it with you? And and have you even started to, to think about that? I, I really haven't, I guess, because I still have a long way to go. Um, yeah. But I will say I don't have any children. So there's no, there's no kiddos in my life to leave it to. I mean, I have some nieces and nephews and whatnot, but, but that's really it. I don't have any children personally. And so I will probably be in a similar situation for him. And look, I would, I would love to be able to change somebody's life. Like he changed mine. I mean, it, it, it um, I, I, I mean, I think that's, that's required of me. I think I should be doing that. And, and I always try to remember that because I mean, he, he took where I was at and moved me to a whole different place that, that I never even saw coming or, or wouldn't have dreamed I'd be able to get to. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you got to do that. Every time still gives me chills. It's incredible to listen to him and, and his for the foresight that he has about how he wants to, you know, change someone's life the way that Roger changed his. It just, I, it's, I mean, it, it's the essence of this industry and just the people in this space and, um, just the incredible stories that we get to to share and tell and and learn about and uh, it's it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot I get a little emotional thinking about it but uh, just cool to to see that kind of commitment to not only his store and his business but his people um, and that's really what this all boils down to is we're we're a, an industry of people so um, really incredible story and and one I, I certainly won't forget anytime soon but we're gonna close it out you know we're talking about company culture and uh, this was. Uh, another awesome ep- episode of the last one we'll highlight on this little uh, walk down memory lane for the Independent Thinking Podcast. But we talked about the the importance of culture um, with Chris Kuster, a guy that really needs no introduction here at Nationwide Marketing Group, but uh, our director of uh, people and learning, one of the cooler titles that we've got here at Nationwide. And, um, you know, culture isn't something that it's hard to put, you know, another one of those things, it's hard to put a, a dollar value or a dollar amount on, but 
it, it's still something as you know we talked about in our conversations with Chris that is important. You know, it, it does provide it's a strategic initiative, something that you need to be strategic about because it does at the end of the day. You know, if you have a, a strong culture and uh, your business is one that your consumers view as trustworthy, they're more likely to shop with you. So that in turn means you're going to have customers that are willing to you know spend money with you. So there is very much a, a business uh, sense to you know what what goes into developing a positive and strong culture at your company, and that's what we got into with Chris. Um, so I, I I think really doesn't need any other any additional setup uh you know for for talking to Mr. Kuster, but this is uh, just a snippet of you know our conversation about corporate culture and and the importance of culture programs. And the important thing there too is uh, and you you kind of hit really well home on it is that this is a, a strategic initiative. It's not, you know, especially in independent retail, I, I feel like, you know, whether they like to hear it or not, so much of decisions made are, are dollars and cents based. And really, even though you don't see maybe a, a specific transaction happen because of your investment in um, a, a culture programs like speed of trust, at the end of the day, it still does impact those because to your point, you know, you're, you're spending, you know, efforts and, and time and resources to build trust with customers uh, who you're in turn trying to sell product to. So there, there really is, you know, actual dollars and cents reason why you would want to invest in, in a culture program like this. Absolutely. In, in any culture program, right? If you want to design your own, you don't have to use the speed of trust. But you don't even have to use the people principle. That just gives you the guideline to do it. Most people don't engage in culture because they just don't know what to do, right? They don't know how to build a culture. Therefore, they let culture define itself. But to your point of strate- you know, strategy, it is probably as important as your marketing strategy. It's as important as your sales strategy. It's as important as your buying strategy. Your culture strategy is not just oh, it's, it's a more enjoyable place to work, great. But it's a more productive place to work. It's a more enhanced, innovative place to work. Um, and, and that list just goes on and on and on. Uh, so yeah, is it, is it make the workplace more enjoyable? Absolutely it does. But does it make it more efficient, uh, more effective, more uh, stronger work environment? Yeah, absolutely. And Chris said it there. You know, it's not just something that uh, can be overlooked. It's it's a part of your business that you know these culture programs are uh, uh, need to be thought about, like marketing and and like you know your merchandising strategy. It's just something that should be second nature and and part of your overall business plan. And um, don't get enough attention for sure. And, and I know you know we're even making our own efforts. Chris is doing a phenomenal job and. Um, you know, we nationwide as a, a whole has just to see it grow over, you know, my two years here, two years plus, and um, has been awesome and, and certainly inspiring. And I think, it, you know, it feels a, a little bit like drinking that juice, but that's, you want that in, in a company. And that's how you get a, a strong culture, one where everyone is working together towards a common goal and, um, you know, supporting your mission, whether that's to support the independent channel or, uh, to provide just top-notch customer service to anyone who walks through your doors or, or logs onto your website. So uh, that that does it. You know, that's uh, that's the recap. Uh, we got 11 episodes there that uh, we had the opportunity to highlight just about a tenth of, a little over a tenth of the podcasts that we've done here. And um, I, I've got nothing else to say, but thank you. I mean, it's been an incredible, you know, two years, two 
plus years of uh, doing these podcasts and um, getting to talk to so many incredible individuals and uh, whether that's you know members of the nationwide team, our vendor community, our uh, industry partners, and absolutely last but certainly not least our members uh, who have uh, just unbelievable just stories to tell and um, insights and wisdom and uh, it's just it's something I won't get tired of uh, and we look forward to continuing into 2022 and beyond. But like always, you know we'll we'll round this up by uh, just saying and very sincerely meaning that uh, you know I appreciate all of the listens and clicks and uh, follows, subscribes, all of that that we've had over you know the first 100 episodes of this podcast and uh, look forward to carrying it on into 22 and beyond. So uh, appreciate you listening to the Independent Thinking Podcast and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.